This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, everybody. Are we ready for another episode? Yeah, Monique, thank you. It's great. It's uh, it's 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 our latest in terms of uh, our Euro file for Kremlin file. And it's so great. Yeah, this space. So uh, so who do we have today? Oh, I actually, I'm really, really pleased yeah. uh, because today we're going to be speaking with Rula Jabril. Okay. And for people who don't know uh, who Rula is, uh, she's a, a foreign policy analyst and a journalist and a novelist. Uh, she's written also a screenwriter. She is now a visiting professor at the University of Miami, uh, where she lectures on propaganda persuasion, and genocide, okay, how words basically transform into violence. So, and she knows a lot about that. She knows a lot about, she was actually the first journalist in the history of Italian television uh, to be an anchor on an Italian evening news. Uh, and that's unprecedented. She's the only one, okay, who has had that position. Uh, her work has been published in the New York Times, in Foreign Policy, in the Washington Post, the Daily Beast, and so many other national and international. I'm not going to list them all because mm -hmm. uh, yeah. so. Um, today's topic, which is about um, Italian, the Italian general election. What is going on in the States and the intersection, okay, between the two, because I think it's really, no, really, really important. And we've talked about this. So Rula Jabril connecting Italy, the U.S., the Middle East, and the important issue for all of us about how we deal with the authoritarian and prevent it from taking over. Great. Let's get to the pod. Hi, everybody, and welcome, welcome. Hello, Scott, and and our honored, honored guest, Rula Jabril. Hello, Rula. Hi, Monique. Yeah, how are you today? I can see such a beautiful, beautiful garden behind you. It's wonderful. Well, I decided to do it here out in the open, especially uh, after listening to President Biden last night, putting yes. in the open the threat to America's democracy. That's right. Um, since 2012, Rula, that's where I've put it, and Scott as well. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen, and I lived through it because I teach communication courses, as Rula does as well, right? A political persuasion and propaganda um, at the university. And I remember seeing here in Italy something that was really, we used the word before, Scott, it wasn't organic to Italian politics and the way okay that italians think it sort of felt something that was being dropped in from outside or uh, a new way of messaging but it was taking from a very dark past and bringing it into the present uh, but this hyper nationalism that was really you know incredible Rula, did you feel the same thing? Because you had worked, right, in, you know, on television. You were into the system. What are your feelings on this? Are the facts. Um, I arrived to Italy in 1994. 
as a student, I got a scholarship from the Italian government and I've witnessed escalation from 1994, the moment Berlusconi ascended into politics. Yeah. And he brought with him a, of, a, a new mindset, which is morality, legality, doesn't matter. What matters is business. What matters is money and power. Uh, and remember, in that period of time, they had the issue of corruption. Yes. As a huge season of corruption. Politicians were all accused of corruptions. A new system was born, but the new system wasn't being born on a foundation of human rights, legality, democracy. It was born by a corrupt, shady businessman, embraced Putin, by the way, was yeah. the first one to yeah. embrace Putin, mm -hmm. was the first to embrace Gaddafi and Saddam and whatever dictator, any rich dictator was welcome to business. Mm. It didn't matter if he broke the rules, if he butchered people. But then we saw another pivot. This was the first uh, wave of disinformation, misinformation, mm. and, and, and you could see that the kind of communication started to change. The second wave was, as you mentioned, was 2012, the economic crisis. Uh, it was, which started in the U.S., then it hit Italy. And it yeah. hit Italy harder than ever because... For all of these years where Berlusconi was in power, mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. didn't bring any prosperity. No. He didn't bring actually anything except for no. himself, his, mm -hmm. his companies. But then he blamed it. He was very savvy, ruthless to blame it on the system, meaning Europe. It's Europe's fault. It's your it. regulation. It's, your, it's somebody else's fault. He never took responsibilities. Remember, the far right party or, or the right wing party was in charge when the economic crisis hit. They hmm. oversaw, they underwrote those, uh, those, those economic policies that led to the economic failures. They also were part of the coalition that invaded Iraq. Fast forward, there is a third shock. Yeah. And hmm. few people talk about the third shock. shock. When Russia started bombing Syria. Mm -hmm. That's right. Ukraine. They invaded, basically, uh, they, they, they did what they did in Crimea 2014, 2015. They started bombing Syria. Syria. And then we had millions of people flooding out of Syria, mm -hmm. running away from Syria, around 10 million people coming to the Middle East, Lebanon, Jordan, uh, Turkey, and then Europe. Then far-right movement that are linked, that are pro-Putin movement, they start rallying. They start, they didn't, they, yes, they kept campaigning against Europe, but they start campaigning against refugees, yeah. not against Putin, who's creating the refugees or yeah. against Assad, who's bombing these people to oblivion, forcing them to flee. They start campaigning about emigrations, invasion, mm -hmm. uh, ethnic substitution and all kinds of theories. And a lot of those theories and a lot of this, this propaganda was actually uh, pumped by Russian regime. If you look at what they were campaigning, for example, the way they started the campaign in Syria by depicting all Syrians as terrorists, exactly yeah. like we're depicting all Ukrainians as Nazis. Yeah. So you could see a narrative, a story. They were building a narrative story to brainwash Europeans, yeah. to induce fear, prejudice, hate, and basically pave the way for the far-right movement to come to power. What we are seeing today in Italy, is the byproduct of decades yeah. of a strategy, weaponized hate, fear, while they were actually 
causing the, the, the disasters, the humanitarian disaster or the mm-hmm. refugees, and using communication to say, well, it's somebody else's fault. So it's the refugees' fault, yeah. not who bombed the refugees. That's and right. it's the European Union fault. So you're seeing a new way to brainwash people and radicalize them against democracy. Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, just one thought, okay, and then Scott, I'll, I'll uh, kick it over to you. Um, Rula was also the way the sort of the way I was reading it as well was there's this aspect, and this was the far right getting in that way, and then there was also let's say the other they were sort of working. I don't want to call it in tandem, but they were. They were. Okay. Yeah. The then we have the Movimento Cinque Stelle, the five star movement, who takes over certain narratives of the anti-systemic, right? So they they grab those voters, okay? Who anti-establishment? Yes. Exactly. Anti-establishment. Uh, anti-system who have now migrated by the way into anti-covid and uh, and all of that kind of thing they've gone even more okay towards that side Um, there was a little something for everyone from each of the groups basically scott that's at least how i saw it you know through this is fascinating there's so many directions to go but there's two i want to pick up really with you you know as a student here learning from you about that past 30 years in Italy. The the first is, you know, from what I see now, you know, Berlusconi's still around. I, I assume someone would have to take a silver stake to his heart to get rid of him. <laughs> but we're talking more about, you know, we're talking more about Giorgio Maloney. We're talking more about still Matteo Salvini. It, did Berlusconi fade? Has he faded simply because he didn't keep up with the technology that's needed for the messaging? Or is there a, a, a subtle difference or not so subtle difference that where Salvini and Maloney can be more effective than Berlusconi in a 21st century as opposed to a late 20th century environment for this type of right-wing message? So Berlusconi was the man that bragged that he legitimized the neo-fascists. He said that he brought them into the fold. He's on video bragging about that. And to be in power, he needed to create a coalition that is not a coalition of Christian Democrats or leftists. He needed to create a coalition that legitimized Fini, um, mm-hmm. uh, Alianza Nazionale, and others. And slowly, slowly, they start changing. But he dominated the political system for a long time. Mm-hmm. Something happened, uh, I believe, with his indictment. So he was mm-hmm. convicted and indicted on uh, corruption, mm-hmm. uh, I believe tax fraud. He still ha- is under, uh, uh, I think he's, there's a court case about yeah. a corruption. Uh, I think he was trying to bribe judges in That's a right. case of an underage prostitute. So mm-hmm. when they talk about pro-family and values, well, yeah. they have a guy who who slept, who was serviced by underage prostitutes. That's so right. family values, sure. Yeah, we believe mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in this case, because of his uh, legal legacy, let's put it this way, or his legal troubles, I think they went around it exactly what he they're doing to Berlusconi, what he did to them. You cannot access, you cannot anymore be the prime minister. He's 84 years old. Yeah. And there's some reports, especially from his former ministers, Renato Brunetta and others, mm-hmm. calling him not, not there. Coherent, yeah. Not coherent, let's put it this way. So Meloni, uh, Meloni was much more savvy to exploit his his problems 
But also Salvini has serious difficulties under investigation for briberies from Russia. He himself was accused of, um, uh, I believe Salvini uh, went to uh, a beach party and half naked demanded yeah. full powers. Yeah. So he's accused of not being too stable, but also he's accused to be too, too much pro-Putin. You know, he's the guy that said, I'd rather have Putin. He's the best uh, uh, yeah. leader ever had in history. He's much better than, than Europe, like all kind of things. So he's not presentable to the international community. So they found a compromise and the compromise is Georgia Maloney. The issue with Georgia Maloney and all of them, now they pivot from the issue of substance to an issue of identity. When you cannot, when you cannot give voters, uh, when you can't promise them anything and when you cannot debate ideas, you start telling them that you're a Christian, that you're a nationalist, that you're proud, that you're a woman, that you're pro-life. It's like the issue of identity for them is replacing the and the ideals or what, what, whatever, because they have no content. There's no yeah. ideas yeah. governing yeah. how to, yeah. what kind of international relations they will have or foreign policy or policy. So they start rallying the crowd and the voters around the idea that they're a Christian nation. They will defend Christianity. Yeah. They will defend the nation, patriotism, which is what Mussolini, God, family, mm-hmm. and, and I believe patria. patria. So, so Rula, I mean, you know, and communications and it's such a vital part of the story here mm-hmm. you know for decades after 1945 we had this notion of the vital center you know the yeah. vital center was what helped <clears throat> why, why has the vital center or the center left not been able to come up with a communications <laughs> approach especially over the last let's say decade to really present its own as it were affirmative message to counter what you're getting in this identity politics from the right well, uh, I would go back and use um, the words of a brilliant politician, uh, Elish Line, who said the Democratic Party is an elephant, yeah. a big elephant that is is not moving fast enough and not doing enough. I believe they're they're you know their machine, um, the party machine is much more focused on. They've been used to be the, on the opposition for so long that they cannot formulate. Uh, an inspiring narrative, yeah. an inspiring vision for Italy, which is not only that the, the other side is a fascist, it's mm-hmm. what, how they can improve people's lives. Where where do we stand on issues of um, energy, right. uh, sanctions, yes. on issues of childbirth, on issues of, of violence against women? So they, are, they have many cooks, let's say, in, yeah. in the kitchen, and there's no one, let, let's put it this way, the leadership at the leadership level, there's never been a recycle of recycling of the leadership to an extent that is savvy enough to tap into voters. They're never been, they, no. they're not punished for not doing the right thing. They mm-hmm. always, you know, get 20% of the parliament. Mm-hmm. This time they will get 20%, but they will be, you know, crushed as an crushed. opposition. And I think people are, they cannot motivate any more young people. I mean, my daughter who's 25 doesn't vote or she is forced to vote for them, but she doesn't believe in them. She's not inspired. They don't even select women. In the last government, when every party, the National Unity Government, when every party had to put forth their ministers, they had three men, three old men. And and how can you inspire voters to vote for you when you're not not listening, not Mm -hmm. dialoguing with them, and not giving them any help. Yeah. 
No, I completely no, I agree. Two things that I just want to add, Rula, and maybe you can either uh, expand on them or not. Um, I was talking to some people and they were telling me that inside the center left, unfortunately, it is so fractured and divided that they cannot find one thread that they can bring forward and do that. That's the first thing. So they've got all tiny little factions. They're all fighting against each other. Some people are pro-Putin. Some people are pro, uh, let's say, very, very staunchly with the Atlanticists. I know quite a few of them. Uh, but this is, no, this is a problem. Uh, they haven't got one vision, okay, because they also have a very, very strong extreme left, okay, that is yes. still there, okay, from the, the yep. World War II. And like yes. your daughter, there's so many of us that are saying, okay, I've got to plug my nose and vote, right? I mean, Scott, we've we've had this discussion before, uh, you know, where we're not 100% happy about going to vote for them. Uh, but, you know, that's uh, you're doing your duty because we know what could happen or we think what could happen afterwards. If they have if they have a majority government, uh, you know, we're, we're in huge troubles. Uh, Rula, you and they will, actually... by the way, it's just yeah. just to be they will. So I know the vote, the vote is a survival vote. Yeah. I, I become one issue uh, voter democracy. Mm -hmm. So unlike my daughter, I lived under police state i lived in the middle east where we have dictators. i know what dictatorship is and i know the risk the risk that people like myself i mean i had people like jamal khashoggi killed by a dictator in an embassy mm -hmm. i have others were murdered so when people look at europe it's like oh europe is so bad whatever the main sentence from president biden last night which was a remarkable speech when he said to protesters who are screaming he said you know what you have the right to be outraged. We are in a democracy. You're allowed to do that. Imagine doing that under Putin. You know, when people did that, when Salvini was foreign was uh, interior minister, mm -hmm. not only they got arrested, they got beaten up by the police. Yeah. Yeah. This is the difference between tyranny and democracy. Yeah. So, yes, Democratic Party is not perfect. No. They have many issues. But in the end, we need to work with a system and reform the system and criticize them. They're open to criticism. I mean, I, I talk multiple on multiple occasions with, with party leaders and I criticize them heavily. Not only they listen, they took into account and consideration some of the suggestions. I mean, the president of the party is a woman. She reached out to me on multiple occasions asking me suggestions. I mean, they, not only they're willing to mm -hmm. engage and yeah. listen and reform. They're not going to tell you, I'm the leader, you listen to me, don't criticize That's me right. because you're criticizing and damaging Italy. That's a huge difference. Yeah. So I think we have to invite young voters to go and vote, even though the numbers are clear, the right will win and probably will win in a landslide, but at least the margin on the opposition and for the opposition will be big enough to stop a dismantling of the, democ the democratic yeah. system in Italy. In fact, I wanted to get into, okay, two things. Uh, one thing just to clear up for everybody, uh, we in Italy, we have a, um, a proportional system. It's actually mixed now because some uh, areas are, let's say you win your seat 
the, the seats are distributed proportionally. In some yep. areas, it's uh, first past the post. So yep. it's a bit of a mixed system, okay, right now. So this is why a lot of times people say, oh my God, you guys have so many parties. Well, because in certain areas, we do have a proportional system. Yep. So if there can be representation uh, on that basis, and I know there's a lot of debates even going on in England, for sorry, in the UK, for example, on this issue. But Rula, you actually spoke with, debated with, because you're saying that at least the Democratic Party listens. You, in 2016, I saw an interview with Giorgia Meloni, okay, and yourself. Debate. Yes, it was a debate. Exactly. Heated. Okay, heated debate. Uh, what do you think of her and what uh, what is your assessment about her specifically? I debated Giorgia Meloni um, in 2016 for Channel 7. It was in the aftermath of Trump's victory. She claimed that white supremacists and uh, the racist identity politics is an American phenomenon. It's not a European phenomenon. Mm. And that neo-Nazis that neo who marched and supported Trump and uh, white supremacists were, were basically something that has nothing to do with Europe. I reminded her that settlers actually brought with them to the United States from Europe that colonial white supremacist mentality. It was part of the Renaissance. When they came here, it was the political and religious identity of European settlers who came here and imported with them uh, white supremacy. Um, also, she ignored the fact that when Hitler was studying uh, racial laws mm -hmm. and how to implement his, his vision for Jews, he came and looked at American laws and he thought they were too severe. And I reminded her also of what fascism was in Europe and what happened to European Jews all the racial laws, all the, the mm -hmm. most oppressive, xenophobic laws. She's uncomfortable with her past. Yeah. She doesn't want to distance herself from her past because she wants the voters, her voters, her base, yeah. to vote for her. The people who still believe that people like myself, and I told her that, Black people like myself, women who are of a Muslim descent or, or Jewish descent, don't belong in Italy and are threat to Italy's mm -hmm. identity, and they are willing to die and kill, exactly like Traini, Luca Traini, one of the candidates yes. for, for, for the Salvini's party, right. who went on a shooting spree and mm -hmm. shot six people of color. I reminded her of all these facts. I could see that she was uncomfortable, that she was, and she basically not only kept interrupting, she cannot handle a debate, proper no. debate, except if it's if it's in a Berlusconi network, because That's then fine. it's not anymore a debate, it's a monologue. Sure. Uh, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's the only time where she was confronted about fascism. So when I was asked multiple times, is Georgia Meloni a fascist leader? Mm. I will use a sentence that was, it's not my sentence, it's not my quote. I don't know if she's a fascist, mm -hmm. but the fascists think that she is one of them that she is their leader That's and they're right. going to vote for her. That's Whether right. it's extreme movement like Casa Pond, they will vote for her. Forza Nuova. Neo-Nazis, Forza Nuova, Neo-Nazis mm -hmm. movements, mm -hmm. they will vote for her. Yeah. When, when Steve Bannon was asked about Georgia Meloni and he said she's the neo-fascist leader, mm -hmm. well, he was telling the truth. So mm -hmm. she might not be, she might not believe in these values and I don't know if she does or not, 
but I believe the people who vote for her think she's their leader and she's one of them. And that is a major issue. Yeah. She was also in Spain at the Vox rally. No, and it was the same kind of thing. Scott, you have a question in your eyes. Yeah. So, so Rula, where, where do you go? Let's assume that, you know, you've got a majority, which is coming from the right. Where do you go? Do you, do you look for, and you haven't had it for many years, as you pointed out, do you look for a personality like a Macron in France? Do you, do you build from the grassroots? And if you build from the grassroots, how do you avoid the trap with all those issues you're raising of it being converted by the right into yet another quote culture wars argument to divert from your so so one place where the right was defeated uh Mm -hmm. when grassroots uh there was a grassroots organization the sardine organized Mm -hmm. and they actually stopped their their ascendance to power they stopped their their takeover of a big city like bologna and emilia romania so I, I think we need to go back to resistance. So just to continue on the subject of, of uh, Georgia Meloni, Georgia Meloni not only didn't take well the debate, she threatened to sue me on multiple occasions, even wow. on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, very often she harassed me on Twitter and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, retweet what I tweet, obviously bashing me left and right. Um, she sent her, you know, her, her men, people who founded the party with her, like Rossetto and others to threaten mm. me mm-hmm. and, and threaten to sue me and then, you know, try in all kind of way intimidate me. I'm not only intimidated, a threat to democracy. If she cannot handle a debate, how can she handle the opposition? She yeah. is intolerant of the opposition. And this is, you know, if you look at, at, at the first thing they hate is the media. You know, when, when Bannon used to say we're enemy of the people, mm-hmm. immediately after he and Trump immediately after journalists were killed in the U.S. from the Maryland Gazette. I I see that there will be a lot of hate crimes, Mm -hmm. a lot of violence in the street. There will be also a huge xenophobic turn, but also homophobic turn. I think people will get killed. From those tragedies, people will start looking at not leaders, at movements that can protect them. I think in the United States, there was a coalition, grassroots coalition that was created. It started with the Women March. It went Mm -hmm. to the Meat Movement. It went then to uh, Black Matter. It created a large civil society coalition that opened the door for Democrats to take back the White House, Congress, Mm -hmm. and Senate. We need to look at that model because it worked. And that model can work if we create a grassroots coalition across the spectrum of people who believe in democracy, who don't think that because you are different culturally or or ethnically or because you have a different skin tone, you deserve to die in Italy in the 21st century because the government and the leader that will lead this government, the prime minister, thinks that the only normal family is a marriage between a man and a a, a woman. The only normal people are Christians. All the others are a threat. And all of her, whether all of her policies will be all about identity politics. So basically we will see an economic downturn. Mm -hmm. With that, there will be even more violence. And my fear for Italy, a moment where they will open the door to questioning their 
existence within the European Union. Yeah. So the idea of Italy exit still mm-hmm. there. She yeah. might exploit that to say, well, you know, the issue with with our economic problems is not us, not us handling the economy, but mm-hmm. Europe regulations and rules. And you can see this in her program. Yeah. So my fear is much bigger than violence, mm-hmm. than <laughs> constitutional reforms. My real fear is blood in the streets and people wanting to exit from Italy, from Europe, basically wanted to withdraw from Europe. Yeah. Um, Rula, one thing I want to pick up on of what you said of the constitutional, um, the first thing that I think that she will do, along with the whole coalition, is to basically reduce the powers of the president of Italy. The powers of the president of Italy, for people who don't know, he serves as a check, okay, to the parliament. So it's, it's a guardrail that's there to protect the constitution. So what there, and it's it's in her program, it's in Salvini's program, and it's in Berlusconi's program. The first thing they want to do is dabble with the, the, the powers of the presidency, because once that guardrail is gone, they can also at that point, it opens the door to all of the other things. Another thing that I was talking to Scott about before we came on is that... Um, Monique, can I add something? Mm-hmm. This is precisely sure. what Putin wants. This yes. is exactly what Putin wants. Yeah. He, he basically bankrolled parties in Europe with one goal, one purpose, to kill the European Union, to yeah. dismantle it and destroy it from within. These parties will be doing exactly that. So that reform that Meloni wants, which is to undergrade the, the power of the president of mm-hmm. Italy, mm-hmm. of the Republic, is basically opening the door for the bigger project, which is it's exit from Europe, but also a real party that doesn't listen anymore to anybody that guarantee that the constitution is respected. They have in their hands, they will have in their hands every lever of the power. And at that point, God help us all. Yeah, exactly. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... A real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The, now, when, one thing that I don't know, Rula, whether you would agree or not, I don't see them actually leaving the EU, but pushing to have a different definition of like with something that Macron, for example, is playing with. Okay. The idea of having two Europes where you have one grouping or different internal blocks, which in the end, okay, because of stagnation because of inability to be able to vote on things, so on and so forth, the EU basically you know, uh, begins to to crumble in a different way. Okay. Yeah. So I think that because the one thing, this is very important to understand for everybody who's who's watching us, is that Meloni and the right-wing coalition, they don't actually define, they say we're Atlanticists, okay? They're white and the press is whitewashing them. 
on this. They're not calling them out on this. They're not delving into the questions that they should be. Uh, they keep saying to the right people, okay, no, we're, they, they keep saying, okay, great, we're Atlanticists and we're Europeanists, but they never define what Atlanticists, who, who backs you? Is it the GOP? Who are your connections exactly? Is it Bannon? Is it all of these, you know, right-wing nutters, the extreme party, the extreme uh, wing inside? Are you waiting for November 2022? What is going on there? And also in Europe, are you with, okay, the Baltic states, Finland, with the Czech Republic, with Ukraine, so on and so forth? Or are you going to be with Orban? Okay, so they don't define it. This is the whole, this is the whole. Um, there's a paper that was written by the economic minister, um, Renato Brunetta. Mm -hmm. And Renato point out to something I actually was ignoring, which is the kind of the language they use to open the door to destabilizing Europe and ultimately destroy it, which is what they want, a legislation that is more national, that Trump, and I use this word purposely, Trump European regulation. So once you say, well, Europe is there, but they cannot put a regulation and our national legislation will trump their regulation, then that, then you already, Europe doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. As if I say in the state of Florida, I can do laws for the state of Florida but if the federal, but if they are in conflict with federal laws, the United States laws, mm -hmm. then you go to court and court the court decide. But ultimately, federal laws trump always regional yeah. or national laws, right? Yeah. So if Meloni, who thinks she's smart, is trying to talk with that language, she doesn't understand that what she's saying for the ears of experts sounds like she's paving the way for the destruction of Europe. Because you're rendering obsolete. Europe doesn't work like this. There's a regulatory mechanism under which, that by the way, Italy underwrote, mm -hmm. approved, mm -hmm. and was one of the founding members. Founding members. Founding member. <laughs> so now you're saying, well, those rules that we founded, that we underwrote and approved, are not good enough now. We want to challenge them by putting our own national laws by the parliament or by any government that might be changed by another government in time we want these laws that basically tell europe thank you goodbye no and thank yeah. you so that is the major risk and i think we need to pay attention to the language she is deploying and using and yeah. weaponizing yeah and i believe there's a there's a resentment towards europe because they led a huge campaign for 20 years against europe Star Salvini who said Europe is is horrible. I'd rather be a Russian. I'd rather Russian. Yeah. Europe is this and that and no Euro. Like all of these, this you, you put out this sentiment. There's some very um you know average people who believe that the problem with their prosperity is Europe, which yeah. is not true. Yeah. But when your own leader is telling you day in and out well, I would love to give you more money. I would love to give you more prosperity. I'd love to give you more healthcare. But Europe is the problem and Europe's regulation. So you have an issue here. And Scott, to go back to your question about Biden's speech, that's countering these narratives is vital. 
is important. In America, we hit the ground on January 6th. By the way, I was one of the few people that predicted Trump yeah. victory in 2015. I yeah. was one of the few people on national television predicting violence. Yeah. Almost a month and a half before January 6th. How did I know that? The writings were on the wall. I read the signals, the signs. Mm -hmm. It was clear. But I was raised in a region full of dictators. I understand that I, I, I smell the threats way before anybody else. Yeah. The language. Mm -hmm. You know, every crime in history started with words. And I understood that Trump was going to take it to the next level, radicalize his own people and unleash them. He summoned a mob who mm -hmm. stored the capital. Now he's saying he will pardon them. He's promising to pardon them. Yeah. When when Biden talked about neo-fascist movement within the GOP, he's spot on. We've been saying that for years. So we need also to acknowledge that there's a neo-fascist movement in Italy mm -hmm. who wants a revival of the dictatorship of Mussolini or something similar to that and box in Spain with, with mm -hmm. you know, the nostalgic or Frank's uh, dictatorship. And these people are willing to kill and die. But also, they are powerful and willing to mobilize, organize, and vote in droves and elect their parliamentarians and their politicians. So again, we go back to the issue of democracy. Our lifetime is about defending democracy. Mm -hmm. We can disagree on economic policies and foreign policy. But without democracy, we have nothing. And I will always remember the business community in the US, many of whom voted for Trump for tax reasons. But when they saw January 6th, it was a turning point because they understood without democracy, there's no way there's a free market. That's right. Free market economy. Yeah. So again, we need to point out when tackling these far right movement in Europe to their connection to Russia, the mm -hmm. fact that they are bankrolled by a dictator who is committing genocide in Ukraine, mm -hmm. but their ultimate goal together is destroy the democratic system under which all of us thrive and survive. Yeah. Because of my personal experience, my life experience, living and working in police states and under dictators that can make me more susceptible, more sensitive to threats, especially threats of people who are like like Donald Trump, like MBS, like Putin, who are willing to use violence as a tool, as a political tool, mm -hmm. and legitimize it and normalize it. I was not surprised because if you followed his career, this is not the first time he's done that. I also remember going to his rallies where he said to his voters, to his followers, there was a protester who said, Beat the hell out of him. I will pay your yeah. legal fees. I thought, yeah. if you're capable of saying that, you're capable of saying to your voters, kill whoever. His voters were, were chanting, hang my pants. Mm -hmm. He knew he they were chanting that. And he tweeted, my pants uh, was disappointing or something like that to, the, to the effect that my pants deserve what's coming. Yeah. And I was not surprised. I was shocked still, but not surprised. There was a pattern. There was always a pattern yeah. of the use of violence. After George Floyd, the way he deployed the police, he thought that was there were his personal army, his personal guards. Yeah. He treated the U.S. Army as if they're his personal militia. And it is, and I think it's the same thing with Salvini. And yeah. I think it will be the same thing with Georgia Meloni. Yeah, I agree. Let me, yeah. let me jump in if I can, Monique. Let me, yeah. let me uh, I want to put 
forth the idea, I want to work two catalysts. So before going to the American catalyst, which you're starting to talk about, just wanted to jump back and ask whether Putin's gamble to try to conquer Ukraine is a catalyst that changes the dynamic within Italy and other countries. In other words, if Putin is not only seen to fail in Ukraine, but if we have the effect that Ukraine wants to join the EU, mm -hmm. if we have other countries, you're looking at the Baltic states, for example, that are coming forth with this idea of rule of law, democracy, even Poland may be mitigating a little bit of its path towards the hard mm -hmm. Does does this catalyst, if Putin fails in Ukraine, does it actually change the Italian situation? Yes, yes absolutely. That's why we need to defeat Putin militarily. Yeah. He needs to be humiliated on the ground, on the ground in Ukraine to save democracy in Europe. Yeah. If he wins, That's goodbye. It. We're, yeah. Over, over. It's over. If he loses yeah. and he will lose and he is losing and he will take Russia back 30 years behind a iron curtain, then we have a real chance to reform the system in Europe. And I'll tell you why, Scott. For the first time, people have been defending Putin in a way that for years in Europe, praising mm -hmm. him. He was a yeah. hero in Europe. Uh, not people who are well-informed. People who are informed informed like Jacopo Jacoponi, who's an Italian mm -hmm. journalist, they were under threats, receiving yeah. hardcore threats. Uh, start waking up to simple facts when they start seeing Bucha, what happened in Bucha. Yeah. I saw what he did in Aleppo. I saw what he did in Syria. So I wasn't surprised. I actually, yeah. as soon as he started the, the, the war on February mm -hmm. 24th, I thought, this will wake up Europe. So the issue is today that when the far right movement will win in Italy, they will start questioning the sanctions, linking the yeah. sanctions, saying, well, the issue of the sanction is hurting Italy, it's not hurting Russia. It's not true. It's hurting Russia. Yeah. Actually, according to uh, Moscow's or Russian Central Bank, it's crippling the economy, mm -hmm. crippling, destroying the economy in the short and midterm. In many sectors, it's down by 60% in many sectors. Mm -hmm. the the GDP is down, I believe, today by 10%. Unemployment is skyrocketing, and you name it. You have, I believe, 100,000 soldiers who are dead. Yes, there's a sector that is still doing well, which is, you know, Gazprom and mm -hmm. the gas. And because, sadly, in the last 20 years, even Democratic they did this deal with the devil, and they thought they could control the devil through that you cannot control a monster. He will no. come back and devour you. Yeah. So today, if we want Europe to survive as a democratic union, as a democratic entity, the only way is to defeat Putin. And I think this will have a trickle effect on his uh, allies in Europe. But for that to have an ecosystem of journalists and activists who expose yes. Yes. Thank those you. corruption stories, those scandals, yeah. I mean, I start receiving death threats exactly like um, Karima, our mm -hmm. colleagues in Italy, and Jacopo Jacoponi, yeah. and Paolo Brizzi. Yeah. Not yeah. by Putin people, by the no. far right. By the Salvini far right. People, yeah. Milani's people. Yeah. Death threats. Simply for questioning Putin's policies and corruption in Europe. 
So Meloni yesterday announced that she will not be investigating or will not be approving a commission to investigate Russia's corruption in politics in Italy. Mm -hmm. Of course, mm -hmm. she doesn't want that. No. But no. we want an, a commission to investigate the handling of the pandemic. This is yeah. this says a lot. This damning statement shows you everything and uh, shows you everything you need to know. Exactly like Republicans who mm -hmm. are so outraged that you are calling them or part of them neo-fascist, but they are not outraged that real neo-fascists are part of the movement. They don't mm -hmm. care that the neo-fascists are out the move, part of the movement, but you shouldn't call them because this is what may, will anger them. It's calling them out. But I believe that calling them out, calling out their corruption, mishandling, connection with Russia, Russia's infiltration and corruption, no, the way they copped mm -hmm. these politicians and being blackmailed. Why did Putin send Berlusconi, the biggest bet in history? What was that about? <laughs> How many meetings and the, and the quilt? Russia. Have you how seen the words? quilt? Have you seen the quilt? Okay, this is just a levity moment. And, They've but got how many how many Russian women are in Mar-a-Lago yeah. now mm -hmm. with all kind of documents there that are unclassified doc classified document U.S. government document? Mm -hmm. How many women were around Salvini when he went to Russia? Who paid mm -hmm. his tickets? Where mm -hmm. did he stay? What hotels? These are the questions to be asked. That's and not right. only about Salvini, Conte. all Salvini's men, all five, five stars men, That's right. all Berlusconi's men. Yeah. Well, we follow still the have, money. Yeah, follow, follow the, the money. Track. Rula, I, I read, uh, for example, all of Antonio Falico's uh, speech in Moscow, who was in Moscow, was telling uh, Scott just before we came on, on the 12th of February. Okay. Yeah. So we are talking about someone who um, is, let's say, tied in with big business in Italy. And if you read his introduction, the speech that he actually gave, it would it's exactly what Putin says. There's no difference. Absolutely no difference. And, you know, this is no, this is what we're, we're thinking. So, Rula, do you believe that even for the Draghi government that came down, uh, how much of, let's say, how much influence did Russia have in that? Huge influence. I have no doubt. But look at the timeline, for example. Salvini, who is not a minister, not a foreign minister, is a leader of party, decide that he wanted to go to Moscow. Mm -hmm. he, he went to Poland, and the mayor of Poland yeah. obviously did what he did, where he mm -hmm. told him, you know, you're not welcome here. Yeah. Then he decided, I need to go to Moscow. Why in the midst of a war, midst of a war, yeah that your country is opposing, there's a leader of this country, your party is part of the government coalition, you individually want to go to Moscow. Why? Yeah. Then we learned that the embassy paid his ticket. Then he basically retreated. It's like, well, I don't want to go. There's too many scandals, whatever. But that was a standard practice for him, that they would pay his tickets, they would pay his hotels. I myself saw Salvini mm -hmm. during the World Cup in Moscow. Wow. I was, yeah, there he is. You know, I was yeah. there part of the, with friends visiting uh, and we wanted to watch the games for the World Cup. And suddenly I looked down and there's Salvini there with a bunch of Russians, people, you know, hanging around. Yeah, yeah. He went multiple times yeah. to Russia. Who yeah. paid his tickets? Who paid his hotels? What did yeah. he do in his hotels? Yeah. Who he entertained? Who he did he talk to? These are the questions that need to be asked. But mm -hmm. also, 
why did his people were soliciting money and bribes? Mm -hmm. What happened to that investigation? These mm -hmm. are the questions that are unanswered so far. Something else, uh, when Salvini was drunk on a, on, a, on a beach demanding full powers, I don't know if he drinks, I don't know what other Mm -hmm. you know, substance he takes. Mm -hmm. But if he was behaving like this in Italy in front of the cameras, I don't know how he behaved in Russia. And I don't know who have those tapes. Fast mm -hmm. forward. Yeah. Then you have Berlusconi who talks to the embassy. Mm -hmm. And the ambassador in Italy tell him, and he starts changing the narrative. Fast forward, you have Lavrov speaking for 45 minutes mm -hmm. in Berlusconi's network. That's right. Uncontested. Yes. It was the, the kind of interview. It was not even an interview. No. It was a monologue. It was a propaganda exactly. session. Exactly. And then fast forward, you see support for Draghi start withering. To tank. Yeah. Well, and with all the disinformation online. The disinformation on, online was incredible. Online. Mm -hmm. And then there's a credible report of uh, the Russian embassy that came out in La Stampa, Italian mm -hmm. newspaper. The Russian embassy told Salvini and his men, when are you going to withdraw your support to this government? That was only two weeks before, before they withdrew their support to the government. I believe that Russia was behind this. I believe that Conte is an idiot mm -hmm. who, had a, who was an egomaniac and couldn't find an identity and thought this government crisis can give him leverage. He opened the door, but who exploited this crisis was Berlusconi and Salvini on Putin's behest. Really, I wanted to pick up. There was I mentioned there was a second catalyst. I want to ask you, and, and since you're there in New York, since you're observing U.S. politics as well, and since we're talking soon after Joe Biden's speech, I think probably the most important he's given as president, mm -hmm. uh, which is effectively the, the call to act democracy. Yes, but the, but the call to action for democracy twinned with now openly, uh, not only having said that there are semi-fascists within the Republican Party, but actually calling out Trump by name and his followers yes. by name as yeah. a threat. Yeah, Rue, I mean, I, first of all, is that from where you are in the states? Is that is a sign that in fact not only was January the sixth the capital attack a wake-up call? America has a strong enough system to respond effectively. And I guess the follow-up is, can that be an influence, a catalyst for effective action in Europe? Or does America really matter that much anymore to people in Italy? It, question, Scott. Yes, it was a call to action. Biden wanted to avoid that for a long time, and he couldn't put it off because there's an escalation in the war against democracy in the U.S. at every level. For example, look at the Browns. They're electing people uh, into the Republican Party, people who were part of the January 6th insurrection, people who don't believe that 2020 election were, were, were fair. They believe that Trump is the winner. They believe in an alternative reality, a dangerous conspiracy theory. And they believe that their role is regardless what the voters want to install Trump as ruler of this nation. So when you what they want is unlawful autocracy. That's what they want. So yeah. Biden is appealing to moderates, independent, liberal, progressive, and to everybody that believe in democracy. He's appealing also to Republicans and not MAGA Republicans, telling mm -hmm. them, mm -hmm. I am appealing to you, to your sense of duty to this nation. 
I'm appealing to you to understand that this is an existential threat to all of us. It's not, a, nobody's safe until we're all safe. Nobody's free until we're mm -hmm. all free. This was a speech for the ages, for the history books, but also this was a speech to awaken people who for so long thought, okay, he's a buffoon, he's not dangerous, it doesn't matter, he's good for my taxes. Like a lot of people in Europe now saying, well, you know, sanctions are bad for us. Who cares that he's killing people left and right? Mm -hmm. The problem is he's not going to stop killing people in Ukraine. Yeah. Next people will, will be dying inside Europe, in NATO mm -hmm. states. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. not going to end with Ukraine. That's he nice. already told you in multiple occasions, Putin proxies, that Ukraine is only the beginning. You have Slaviev, his protest, who's saying Schultz needs to die. The Chancellor of Germany, he needs yeah. to be killed. His yeah. television networks last night in Russia from Moscow, live television network was giving advice on how to murder European citizens. That's right. So this is the biggest threat. And I think we need to wake people up and we need to wake them up by doing counter narrative and countering the propaganda and the lies and the misinformation that is marinating in the Italian system, in the European yeah. system yeah. and counter it fiercely. I, I fear for my, my friend's life. I feel for, you know, I fear that Paolo Brizzi, yeah. uh, Karima and, yeah. and, and many others will be killed. I, I know that because I know Jamal Khashoggi will be killed yeah. way before he was killed. I had yeah. no doubts when he disappeared that he will die, that he is already maybe dead. So when I, when I call these colleagues of fierce, heroic colleagues of ours in Europe, I know the risk they are taking, but this is the only thing that can be done. The last thing we can do, resist, yep. tell the truth, expose the corruption, and hope voters and the next generation will do the rest of the work. So we'll keep at it, Rula. We'll keep at it. Okay, exactly what Thank you're you. saying. And uh, everybody needs to know that when I'm feeling very down, I send a little message to Rula and she says, what? no, 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 no. Get it, stop. <laughs> we have to go forward. <laughs> and you're absolutely correct. This is it. You know, I really Listen, have a feeling. Of, I have a feeling the arch of right now. Is long. The arch of history is very long, but all is bent toward justice. And we are here for the long, we're not going to be intimidated. No. We will resist, fight back, and, and report and tell the truth and hope that when Putin will be defeated, this will have a huge ripple effect on, on Europe. Yeah, everywhere. So I think this is, uh, I think, Rula, your words are inspirational and they're bringing us back to where we need to be. I think this is a good place, okay, for us to wrap and so I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart that you've come. You've been so direct and you know, articulating all of these thoughts, which are difficult to do because you no, know, there's a lot of the fog of war of what we're living through now. Um, but we need to keep you know, that steady, uh, steady path forward towards justice. Right. Scott, any last words? Thank you. Just a huge thanks to you, Rula. <laughs> In the words of John Lewis, Another man who is inspirational continues to be keep causing good trouble. That's yes. it. Yes, Thank that's a great thing. Thank great you. Stuff. All right. Thank you, guys. I'll Thank see you soon in Italy. I'm coming there.